Hey man, well, uh, guys, I bring you greetings from Los Angeles. Wow. Uh, I was out there with our church uh, for the first four days of the week, and uh, the church is doing really well. Everyone's getting excited for the new year. Came back, spent a day with the family, and then went down to Eugene. So I also bring you greetings from Eugene, Oregon. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, God's really moving um, down in Los Angeles. Uh, I got to spend some quality time with John and Emma Causey. Uh, they send their love. And appreciation for the church up here. And uh, then we went down to Eugene and got some quality time with Rich and Hannah Hardy. And Rich and Hannah are just doing really good. I mean, their their alma mater is the UMO. They graduated, they left, they went up to Portland, they got really good jobs. And then the Lord called them into the ministry. So they gave up a really healthy paying job, moved down to Eugene, practically put themselves in the ministry. And uh, God's really going to move. The church is excited. It's vibrant. Everyone's just stoked to have them back. And I know God's going to really bless them. And the Eugene Church, the Portland Church, and I believe the Seattle Church are really set up for an amazing 2019, the year of boldness. Amen? Amen. You know, there's a lot of great things that happened this year. And I know that there's going to be even more great things that happen next year. The title of our message this morning comes from John chapter 15, and that is even more fruitful. Let's turn over to John chapter 15. In verse 1, Jesus gives this perfect analogy. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me. He's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is perhaps one of the most vivid analogies that Jesus gives. You almost imagine him standing by a vineyard, and he goes, Listen, my father's the gardener, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And then the X factor is, together we are going to bear much fruit. Now there's a lot of debate out there. There there are books written about this passage. There's a lot of uh, theologians trying to figure out what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about. And you got arguments for, well, these are the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. You had other people say, well, if you continue reading on, he talks about love nine different times. So, of course, the fruit is love. But, you know, right after this passage, in context, he goes right into persecution, and he says, for this fruit, the world is going to hate you. Now, when was the last time Someone got hated or persecuted because they loved too much. Wow. When was the last time someone was showing the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, and all these things. And they got persecuted because of it. Oh, I just hate this guy. He's so kind all the time. This brother's just so loving. It ticks me off. I mean, obviously, these aren't the kind of fruits he's talking about. And what he says is you got to go and bear this fruit. So what's the fruit he's talking about? Well, when was the last time Jesus said, go and do something? Go and make disciples. Now, that's the kind of fruit that's going to get you persecuted. So we know absolutely, surely, he's talking about bearing fruit, which means to make other disciples. That'll get you persecuted. You start telling people to repent, to change their life, to turn things around, to remain in Jesus, the Savior of the world. They're not going to like that message. And that, of course, will invite persecution. You guys with me here? Now, I'll tell you what. When I was down in Eugene, Eugene is a beautiful place. It's a very small place. There's not a lot to do, but it's a beautiful place. And Rich and Hannah, uh, as they were going to school at University of Oregon, they got a job at a vineyard. And so the place was called King Estate Winery. And so Rich wanted to take me and Caesar to his old job and hopefully meet some of his friends that that, uh, used to work there and maybe they'd still be working there. And then to show us this vineyard. And I had never really been to a vineyard like this. Uh, the vineyards I had seen were out in Walla Walla, and they're, they're blocked by fences. You can't really get in unless you want to pay money. And this place was about 1,100 acres of vines. I mean, just vines. Just everywhere you go, the property was huge. Just imagine these beautiful rolling hills surrounded by a beautiful forest of just incredibly kept vines. Now, we went two days ago. The harvest is over. The grapes are gone, the beauty's gone, but still it's remarkable. And he said, Joel, just imagine when the lavender is actually purple. Imagine when these vines are actually covered in fruit. This is one of the most beautiful places I had ever seen. So it was incredible to think about this. And so we went up and we we go inside the winery and, you know, everything's too expensive. So you don't really want to buy anything. But they gave us a free tour of the place and they explained this is how we make wine and everything and some of his old co-workers were still around, so we got to have some conversations with them and hear some old stories about who Rich used to be before he became a Christian. Uh-oh. And we just had a good time. It was very bonding. And we get back in the car after about a couple hours, and we're driving down the hill through all the vineyards, and we look out, and about 150 yards into the vineyard, we see a group of gardeners, and they're actually out there doing some pruning. And so I'm like, Rich, pull over the car. And he pulls over the car, Because I had never had the opportunity to talk to a professional pruner so that they could explain what this passage is all about. And I didn't, I I couldn't communicate with them. So I, they were, they were Mexican, they broke, they spoke Spanish. So I took Caesar with me and we sprinted out into the vineyard. I mean, these guys are impressive. They, they've all got these shears and they're just going vine to vine to vine to vine to vine. And I mean, it's, it's a lot of work to garden these vineyards. I said, Caesar, would you please ask this woman? If she would just stop and talk to us for a few minutes. So he communicates with her and gets her to talk to us. And, and I say, I would use him as a translator. And I'd ask some questions and she'd respond in Spanish and he would translate it to me. And as we're looking at this vine, you know, there was one already pruned. And so I, I asked her if she would please explain to me the process and what she did to this vine. And then I went down the row a little bit and went to a vine that she had yet to prune. And I asked her if she would please prune it right in front of my eyes so that and it kind of explained as she goes along what, what she's doing. And I'm telling you guys, it was really remarkable. Wow. I've read this passage a thousand times in my life, and I've always been inspired by it. But 
I mean, it's just different when you get to see it come to life. Yes. And so, literally, as she's talking, I'm thinking of this passage, and I'm taking notes, and I'm like, oh my gosh, perfect parallel, perfect parallel, perfect parallel. It really was incredible. So, the title of our message is even more fruitful. Therefore, I have even more points than usual. Come on, bro. Not three points, not four points. Preach. We got ten points this morning. And it was pretty cool. She essentially gave us ten principles to pruning. And so I've decided to kind of break these down and uh, hopefully give us a full understanding of what this scripture is all about. And uh, if you don't get a chance to write down all these principles, um, you know, feel free to listen to the audio online or uh, perhaps see me and I can uh, let you take some pictures of my notes or whatever. Um, But, you know, I've, I've put them in an order that I believe is appropriate that I really think will help us to understand what pruning is all about. Now... Do yourself a favor, put your phone away, put your watch away. I don't know how long this is going to take, but I'm going to do my best to get through it precisely. Amen? The first principle to pruning, the first thing that I had to understand is that all the nutrients that are absorbed into the vine go into the vine, and and it's, it's, it's all for the fruit. Vines are actually pretty ugly, if you've seen them. They just, they look like uh, a, a small, uh, you know, about, about this high, and uh, the bark is kind of falling off. There's nothing uh, aesthetically pleasing about the vines. Look over in Isaiah chapter 53. Now, not, not all these principles are we going to use scriptures, but uh, for some of them we will. Amen? Amen? In Isaiah chapter 53, the Bible teaches us something very special about who Jesus was. In verse 1, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. You know, the Bible teaches us that aesthetically, Jesus was not the most pleasing to look at. There was nothing attractive about him. I mean, he wasn't super muscular and super handsome. His his face didn't have just those those perfect features to just draw your attention in. He, in fact, just kind of looked like a a, a little shoot out of the ground, like a a root. There was was just nothing, nothing physically appealing about who Jesus was. What does that tell us? I mean, Jesus used all the nutrients, all the resources that God gave him, not to go out and be a fashionista, not to go out and get super muscular so he'd be more effective when he shared his faith. No, he used all the nutrients to make disciples. This is why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save what was lost. That was his only purpose. And if we're to imitate him, then we are to use all the nutrients, all the resources that God gives us to follow in his footsteps. You guys with me here? In John chapter 17, verse 6, Jesus says, I have revealed you to those. This is in a prayer to God. He says, I've revealed you to those whom you have gave me. You have given me out of the world. You see, Jesus understood. It's not about him going out and doing all the work. It wasn't about the effort he put in in order to gain more disciples. But when disciples would come, it was going to be 
because God gave them to him. We've got to be able to identify the nutrients, the resources that God's given us. And then we also need to be able to identify the people that God's given us. He continues on in his prayer. He says, they were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your words. Now they know everything you have given me comes from you. You see, it's very possible as you share your faith, as you meet new people, to win them over to you. To make them followers of you. Mm. And yet Jesus' primary principle was not to win people over to him because he was just some cool guy, some nice guy, some good looking guy. But to win people to him so that they knew who God was. And that everything that he gave to them, everything that he would pour into them, came from his Father. You know, if we are to follow Jesus in his footsteps, we need to hone in all of our nutrients. I mean, our money, our time, our home, everything that we have, and direct it toward fruitfulness. Amen? Amen. The second principle. It was pretty interesting. We came up to the the vine that she had yet to prune, and she got (coughs) very busy with all the top part of the vine. But down, lower on the stem, you would see these branches sticking out. And I said, well, hold it. Why are you not cutting off those branches? And she said, you need to leave the shoots from the lower portion because they are the future of the vine. Wow. wow. That's awesome. There was no fruit down there. There were no leaves. There was, there was nothing. It just looked like a bare branch. But she said, you cannot cut those down because in time, they will make their way up the vine and they are the future. You know, some disciples don't have in the moment the position, the ability, the faith to bear the fruit that God wants them to bear. But that doesn't necessarily make them not a disciple. You see, there's a difference between being an idle disciple and a weak disciple. Exactly. Now, if that branch were up top, it gets snipped. But as disciples, we need to have the heart and the wisdom of the scriptures to determine where on the vine the person is. And maybe right now they're weaker. Maybe right now they, they aren't in the, the position or the ability. Maybe they don't have the faith to bear the fruit that God wants them to bear. But our job is to inspire them and help them stay faithful so in time they can be the fruitful branch. No, to me, this was a very heart-wrenching point that she was making because everything in me wanted to just break that branch off. It looked pointless and meaningless. What's it doing down there? And yet that's the one that's the most precious. And of course, this reminded me. Of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, yes. when the Bible says that some parts of the body are indispensable right. because they are weaker. Yes. You see, weaker parts of the body, the weaker branch is indispensable. And we need to treat every disciple with the same amount of love, the yes. same amount of attention, yes. the same amount of faithfulness to believe that one day they will be the fruitful branch. You guys with me here? Yes. The third principle that I found very interesting was that just by looking at the color of the branch, you can tell whether it was alive or dead. Looking at the color. So 
when the when the gardener is going through, they're not just cutting off the branches that have no fruit. Sometimes they do have fruit, but the branch is dead. Isn't that interesting? It bore fruit and then died. And so even though it, it showed itself to be fruitful, eventually it died, it changed colors, and that one got snipped also. Wow. Now I found this really interesting. Because you would think, well, if it's bearing fruit season after season, of course it's still alive. But not necessarily. You see, you can cut one of these branches that you know for sure have bore fruit in the past, but just because it bore fruit in the past doesn't mean it's going to bear fruit next season. And there is a period of time in between where the branch can die. You know, a lot of times walking around the fellowship, you can kind of tell who's doing well spiritually and who's not. You can hear it in their voice. You can see it on their face. And it's very important that we show people a tremendous amount of love and have that wisdom to pull them off the side and go, bro, how are you doing? How are you doing? We don't want anybody to get cut off, do we? We want no one to get cut off. If anything, amen, they get pruned a little bit. But we don't want anybody to be cut off. And so it's up to us to look at people, see where they're at, and then determine where they're at and help them and inspire them. To bring the life back to their branch so they can be used by God before it's too late. You know, some people, they die spiritually. And when they die spiritually, you can see it in their lack of fruit, but you can also, like I said, see it in their color. And God's going to cut them off. He cuts it off for two reasons. For the sake of the church. Because even though it's dead, it's still absorbing nutrients. It's still using up resources from the vine. And God will cut that branch off so that those nutrients will be redirected to a healthier branch. So God cuts off dead branches to protect the church, but he also cuts off dead branches, not even necessarily for the present time, but because God knows the future and he knows that in time, next harvest can be even greater because those nutrients were redirected. As disciples, we need to have the heart to love people and to help everybody. You know, I'm so inspired by the changes that our brother Conan has made here. You know, when Conan first started coming around about two years ago, straight from Abidjan, incredibly weak, can't communicate, and I'm just so proud of the church and how they've just loved him and nurtured him and poured nutrients and resources into helping him get strong. Now he's been going through these English-speaking classes, and he is getting so good at English that while I was down in L.A., his, his other, our brother Blaise Fumba, who used to lead his church in Abidjan, was like, Joel, I just want to commend you in the Seattle church for really staying in there with Kuhn, and I can tell he's doing well spiritually. And I can tell he really is going after his English so that he can communicate with all of his brothers and sisters. Let me tell you, isn't it awesome to see the color come back to our brother Kuhn here? And honestly, it makes me think, and it makes me, it makes me curious, like, who needs some more color in our church? <laughs> who needs a little more color, a little more vibrancy, a little more faith, a little more inspiration, some more nutrients to get them up to speed, to get them healthy, so they can be used by God to bear awesome much point, fruit. Bro. Awesome. Number four. This, this was mind-blowing to me. Branches are not just to bear fruit. Branches are also expected to bear fruit branches. Now it sounds pretty simple, but I had never thought about that before. In fact, if a branch does not bear other branches, it is cut 
off. If a branch takes too long to bear another branch, it is cut off. Eventually, that branch gets pruned and hopes that down the road, it will bear more branches. You know, as disciples, you become a disciple, you commit yourself to Jesus, and at first, you got a little bit of faith, but in time, you grow. And you gain a role in the church, you gain a relationship with other leaders, and before you know it, you are not just to be a disciple and then go on to heaven, but really to grow into a leadership role. I believe, with all my heart, every disciple is to be a leader in the kingdom of God. Now, some people are going to be leading churches, some people are going to be leading multiple churches, some people are going to just lead a little Bible talk, but everyone can be a leader. At the very least, everybody can be a Bible study leader. Come on, Joel. Everybody can be a Bible study leader. You might not be able to lead a Bible talk, but hey, you can sit someone down and do a Seeking God study and inspire them to go after their relationship with God. And that's a great place to start. So don't look around the fellowship and go, well, I'm not like that guy. I'm not like that sister. I can't do those things yet. Listen, everybody starts somewhere. Let's all start bearing more branches. Amen? Number five. This blew me away. The gardener had zero sentimentality. I mean, zero. There was no communication or negotiation. I mean, she looked at the vine. She knew what she had to do, and she got to work. There was no hesitation like, well, maybe, could it possibly be? No, it's just a branch. Just cut the thing off. I mean, she was a snip, 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 snip. She could prune an entire vine in 30 seconds. I mean, just blow away, making all these snips, going to work. I mean, so precise. It matters where on the branch you cut it off. You want to make sure you cut it into the green if it's dying. I mean, she knew exactly what she was doing. I think we serve a God who's just as awesome, more awesome. I mean, he invented the garden. He invented gardening. He's the master pruner. We serve a God that we can really trust. You know, these gardeners, out of the 12 months of the year, they take a full two months to prune the vineyard. They've got two months. So whoever owns the vineyard is going to hire as many gardeners as necessary to make sure that within those two months, every vine gets trimmed. And be it they get cut, be it they get pruned, every vine gets trimmed. I was so amazed by her precise Uh, cuts that she was making and the speed at which she was making it. You know, when we struggle with sentimentality, we we struggle in those two things. We struggle in our precision and we struggle in our frequency. You know, I, I, I got discipled on a lot of stuff this year, but one of the big things I got discipled on personally is my sentimentality. And I know personally, from from my personal example, I know that when I'm struggling with sentimentality, I have a hard time just getting to the point. I have a really hard time. I'm beating around the bush. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring it up in a creative way. I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. And so the relationship becomes more important to me than the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. And so my precision is off. And even though my goal in the moment in a, is sentimental, is to not hurt somebody, those can actually be even more hurtful times because I'm not precise. I'm not getting to the point. I'm not being as straightforward as I need to be. And it's off. Or I struggle in my speed. I struggle in my speed. What I mean by that is I see something 
But I don't say anything right away. Not that I don't say anything because I'm trying to be wise and I want to wait for an open door from God. No, God's opened the door. It's, it's time to have the talk. Yeah. But I just kind of back up and excuse my way out of it. Rather than getting in there, being urgent, seeing that, hey, sin can spread like gangrene in the church, as Paul says to Timothy. And I got to get in there and deal with the sin, be it in my marriage, in my own life, in my kids' lives, in the lives of the brothers and the sisters that we have the opportunity to serve here in Seattle. I've got to do something, and I've got to be urgent about it. And, you know, this is, this is a characteristic of God that we all need to take on. We need to learn the, preci- the precision of God and the timing of God. Amen. Because when it comes to pruning, that is everything. And we want to be effective in being used by God. Amen? Amen. You know, the other, the other point that I, I got out of that too is God is, a, God is an amazing gardener. We can trust Him. Yes. If it hurts, we can trust Him. If it's painful, if, if the timing, is, it, it just doesn't feel right to us, it's not about the feelings. We can trust God because God is the master pruner, the master cutter, the master gardener. He knows exactly what he's doing. Amen? Amen. Number six. Everything that gardener does is calculated for the future. Wow. Yes. See, pruning always happens after harvest season. And it's in preparation for the following season. And so the gardener... Even though a, a branch, a, a vine, doesn't look like it's doing what it's supposed to right now, God waits. He waits till the harvest is done. And then during that time, he gets in there and he deals with it. Yeah. And he prunes it. Not necessarily because you can change the past. No, the past is the past. But to get it ready for the future. Wow. In Luke chapter 13, and verse 9, we kind of see this in Jesus. He goes to the fig tree, he wants some food. It's bearing no fruit. And Jesus says, well, if by next year it bears fruit, good. But if not by next year, cut it down. Right. You know, we've got to learn to think like God and to always think about the future. What is God going to do? How is God going to do this? What does God want for me? And this is why it's very important that as disciples we are preparing ourselves for next year. We want to do a little reflecting for this past year. Amen. Let God prune you a little bit so that we can be even more fruitful. Not necessarily right now, but next year. You know, God always sees the big picture. And His ways are not our ways. we got to trust that God always knows best. You see, what you got to do is you've got to trust that the Lord knows exactly what He's doing. Let's look at a couple quick passages here in Matthew chapter 11. Okay. To help us awesome. really Joel. understand this point. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there is not yet risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, and here's my point, he who is least in the kingdom of, of heaven is greater than he. So in other words... Jesus looks at John the Baptist and he goes, he is the greatest man that's ever lived. However, if you're in the kingdom of God, even if you're brand new, even if you have very little faith, even if you're not yet inspired, he goes, the least in the kingdom of God is even greater than the greatest man that has ever lived. What does that tell us? It means that 
as the gardeners looking at the at the vine, he's thinking about the future. He's 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 cutting them all off. But the ones that he leaves are because he believes those are the best branches for next harvest. In other words, if you're here today, awesome point. If you are here right now, you have not been cut off yet. You have a relationship with God right now in God's mind. You are the best person for the job. The best person for the job. Well, you go, well, what about this person? What about that person? They're, they're more talented than me. They've done greater things than me. They're more faithful than me. I don't know. God knows. But right now, we can have true confidence in the gardener and go, wow, God really believes in me. Awesome yes. point. God didn't cut me off. He, I deserve to be cut off. I, des- I deserve him to just hack me off the vine. But I'm still here. God really believes that I can bear the fruit that he wants me to bear. Yes. In Matthew chapter 21, okay. we understand this a little bit more in verse 43. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruits. You see, God is all about the future. He's willing to hurt our feelings. He's willing to give us a little pruning. No cutting feels good. Whether you're getting cut off or pruned, it still hurts. There's still you're still getting cut. But if you're getting pruned, if you're not cut off, if you're still here and you're growing in your faith, God believes that you are going to receive the kingdom and you're the best one available to bear fruit in the future. I don't know about you guys, but this gets me excited about next year. Come on. This point right here makes me go, oh my gosh. Then how much fruit can God do? Can can God bear through me next year? How many more branches can be born through me? It's not about me. It's about the nutrients. It's about the fact that I'm in the vine. But, oh, my goodness, it's exciting to think about. Right. And when it happens, it's going to be humbling. It's going to be, oh, my God, look what God did. Despite me. Amen. Despite me. Amen. Look what God did. And we can gain so much confidence because of the gardener's calculations. Number seven. God always looks at the repetition of the fruit, the frequency of the fruit, in order to determine who gets pruned and who gets cut. Every branch gets cut in some way, whether it's pruned or cut off, every branch gets pruned. But you know, when the gardener's looking at the branch, she's not just looking at if it's bearing another branch, or if it's bearing fruit, but how often. And the way you can tell is by how close the knots are together on the branch. So if there's one knot down here and one knot out here, that thing's getting cut off. It just takes way too long. Another branch can come into place and bear way more branches than that. You cut it off. It's interesting to me how, how often we like to kind of revel in our glory days and go, well, here's what I used to do, and here's how God has used me. And let me tell you, if, if you're not being used by God right now, wow, there's an issue. Wow. There, there's an issue in your relationship with God. Yeah. If you're remaining in the vine, 
This is, this is me being a vine holding branches into my vine. <laughs> if you're remaining in the vine, you are to bear much fruit. Without question. Without question. In other words, every season, every season, every year, every few months, we as disciples should be being used by God for fruitful labor. Yes. yes. To be bearing other fruits. To be building up other leaders. To be used by God. When we get stagnant and we get idle, when there are long spaces in between our knots and long spaces in between our fruits, there's a major issue. It doesn't mean you're dead. It means you're dying. Wow. The moment, like I said earlier, the moment you change color, the moment the fruit stops, you're dead. But you're dying. And you've got to really reevaluate your relationship with God. That's the one thing you can control. That's the branch. It's how much nutrients you're soaking up. And you've got to reevaluate your relationship with God. You can change. You can repent. You can soak in more nutrients next year. But you've got to get your act together if you want to remain in the vine. Yeah. Number eight. Hanging on is not the same as remaining in the vine. It was so funny. You know, the gardener's going, she's going so fast. She's just cutting all these branches. She's, she's calculating it. She's very, very good at it. She's, She's cranking away at this thing. But there are these wires that go throughout the vineyard. They've been doing this for, for ages, for, you know, thousands of years. There, there are these, these wires that hold the vine up. You know what I mean? And it's holding the vine up, and so the branches have kind of coiled themselves around <laughs> these wires. And so even though she cuts off the branch, they may not fall to the ground. A lot of times they'll just kind of they'll fall away from the vine, but just kind of dangle around and so it's funny, she'll, she'll cut all these things off, maybe half of them fall to the ground, you know, somewhere on the ground, they're, they're gone, right? But some of them are just kind of hanging around. And then she takes the shears, she closes them, and she uses it like a bat, and she just starts batting away all these dead branches. I mean, she's just swinging away, and she, I mean, relentless, just vicious, just, just hacking these things away, just get them out of here. Why? Because they're getting in the way. They're getting in the way. And this is a principle that I've seen even in God's kingdom. You know, it's Come like people, people fall away, right? They're, they're, they're dead. They get cut off by God. But man, everything in them still wants to kind of just hang on. Just hang on. Paul says with such people, do not even eat. Wow. Do not even eat. Don't, don't let them think that they're still a part of the vine. If wow. they're cut off, they're cut off. Wow. Their only hope is to fall to the ground and die. And you go, well, that sounds terrible. Great, yeah, that sounds horrible. I mean, I thought anybody can change. Well, this goes into another principle, which we didn't see in this vineyard, but you can study out in Romans chapter 11 that even though it's dead and it's fallen to the ground, a good gardener can graft it back into the body. That's another point for another day. We call that restoration. Amen. But you should not, someone, someone that's fallen away, that's not in the kingdom, <coughs> shouldn't continue to feel like they are. Yes. And everything in us, we want to be kind, we want to be nice, we want them to linger on. And yet, the gardener is just batting them away. Right. Just let them fall. Let them taste the world. Let them really feel like what, de- let them really feel what decay is all about. Mm. Let them see the flames. And maybe they'll repent, and then I'll, I'll grab them back in. But, but as the vine, as the other branches, we're not to go, no, don't fall. Our job is to go, I'm so sorry. I hope you repent. Yeah. 
Time to bear fruit. That's with me here? Yeah. It's a harsh principle. Yeah. No sin in telling me. But it's real. Number nine. Okay. Now, this is my record. I've never had nine points in a sermon before. So I actually had to research the Roman numeral for nine. I was like, is it, is it, is it V-I-I-I-I or is it I-X? I mean, what is it? So I had to, I had to research it and yeah, it's I-X. Amen. You know, the gardener is always thinking about the future harvest because the gardener expects every harvest to be greater than the previous one. I mean, if it's not greater, there's something wrong. The vine should get bigger. The branches should be more flourishing. I mean, every single branch needs to be bearing even more fruit as time goes on. A branch can never bear fruit, and then its life is good. No. If if, if a branch bears fruit, it's going to get cut off if it doesn't bear even more fruit next year. You know, as disciples, this needs to keep us motivated to get closer and closer and closer and closer to God. To never settle into this space of contentment and and mediocrity in our relationship with God. Well, it's like, well, I kind of know the first principles. I've read through the scriptures. I'm pretty good now. No, at some point, you're going to start to drift away. You're going to start dying. You're going to stop bearing fruit. You're going to get cut off. So as disciples, we got to get... Get, we got to remain in the vine, but get right. more and more fruitful yes. in our relationship with God. Right. No, it's amazing to me that even though a branch is bearing fruit, they still get pruned. They still get pruned. It's like, well, hey, well, that branch right there, it just bore fruit. I can, I can see the, where all the grapes were and everything. And she goes, yeah, but I'm going to sacrifice a little fruit next year so that the following year it can bear even more fruit. Mm-hmm. No, it's amazing. They don't just prune for the next season, but they prune for two or three years down the road. Depending on how much of the branch they cut will determine whether it's going to bear a lot of fruit next year or even more fruit down the road. How was your 2018? How did it go? Did you face some hardships? Did you face some challenges? Did you feel the cutting? Did you feel the pruning? Were the times where God was getting in there and precisely just discipling you and disciplining you, we can take great trust that if he wasn't, we are illegitimate children and not true sons. Hebrews chapter 12. The hardships we face now, when we learn from them, it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. That's a promise of God. If you had a tough 2018, let me tell you, it's only because God is preparing you for an amazing 2019 and an amazing 2020 and an amazing 2021 if you're learning from what God is teaching you. I mean, these are challenges, but it's only that you can bear more fruits. John 15, 2. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends out the disciples two by two. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, where there are two or three that gather in my name, there I am with them. The last principle that I just found so astounding is that the vine will always get cut, it will always get pruned, but the gardener will never let there be any less than two branches on the vine. Never. They may leave three or four or five or six or seven, but never one and never none. 
always at least two. You know, when you remain in the vine, point number 10, you are never alone. Never alone. You may have times where you feel lonely. You're looking around, you're like, where are the other branches at? But you are never alone. Amen, Joe, down in Tacoma. Where are all the other branches at? Look up to Seattle. Oh, yeah, there they are. You're never alone. You've got other branches, but even more than that, you got the vine and you got the gardener. You are never alone. God's sovereignty is always going to leave you with friends. Always going to leave you with other fruitful disciples. Even if you and one other person were sent to Zimbabwe by yourself to start a church, God believes that you're going to bear much fruit. Maybe not right away, but at least next season. And at the very least, the following season. But those two branches can bear all the fruit. And where did they come from? The bottom of the vine. You see, the cycle of producing fruit never stops. It started... When Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, people put their faith in him, and they started the church in Acts 2, and it's never stopped. The cycle of life, the cycle of fruitfulness has continued time and time again for the last 2,000 years, and here we are today, because God believes that we can bear much fruit. I hope that these 10 principles really inspire you this yes, morning. Yes. I, I, for me, I'm inspired. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible how... Perfect the parallels are to God, to Jesus, to the church. All the same. That God really is there. That God has a great plan. That our branch can bear much fruit. But you know, when it's all boiled down, every branch has one job. One job. Remain in the body. You go, what about all the fruit? The gardener takes care of that. The vine brings you the nutrients to take care of that. The branch's responsibility is to open wide the hearts, to soak in all the nutrients, to be the branch that can be used by God. In all the scripture in John 15, Jesus never commands fruitfulness. Isn't that interesting? He talks a lot about it, but he never commands fruitfulness. He promises fruitfulness. The command is to remain in the vine. Yes. Jesus promises fruitfulness because he commands faithfulness. You know, for us, I think we need to look at our hearts. Are we remaining in the vine? Are we soaking up the nutrients? Are we focusing all those nutrients on pleasing God so that we can bear much fruit? You know, 2018 was a fruitful year. It was even more fruitful than the year before that. So I have to believe. We have to believe. Amen. That in 2019, we're going to see even more fruitfulness. Let's close in John chapter 15. That's awesome. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Showing the fact that you've been remaining in the vine. You will bear much fruit. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you as the perfect gardener. I left you there. I chose you 
and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. <coughs> my heart and my hope and my prayer for the church is that we will go into 2019 simply remaining in the vine. Loving God, the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, loving each other. You know, to me, I'm very excited about what God's done in 2018. We saw a lot of great fruit, saw a lot of awesome disciples made, but I know that in 2019... We're going to bear even more fruit. We're going to bear even more fruit in the singles ministry. Amen. All over Seattle, we're going to see a lot of fruit in the singles ministry. Amen. We're going to see a lot of fruit in the marriage ministry. Amen. Amen. It's going to be exciting to see how God uses us. But our job is simple. Remain in the vine, and we will be even more fruitful. Amen. Amen. Amen.